Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Peter Radcliffe of Skillful Mind. Nowadays, mindfulness and meditation are often used to mean the same thing, which can be confusing. Not many are clear on what mindfulness meditation is and how it differs from each other. Mindfulness and meditation are mirror-like reflections of each other, so mindfulness supports and enriches meditation, while meditation nurtures and expands mindfulness. Where mindfulness can be applied to any situation throughout the day, meditation is usually practiced for a specific amount of time. And then there are many types of meditation. They can be further categorized into insight or calming and guided or unguided. In the world of meditation, there is an approach for everyone. So what does this have to do with your skin? Well, we do know that increased stress can impair healing. While managing stress and lowering cortisol has been found to decrease healing time after major surgery. So today we are discussing the implications of stress on healing and providing some clarity on the types of practices that you can do at home to support your body's immune and healing responses. Peter, our guest, is a life coach, meditation teacher, and NLP practitioner. He is a highly experienced and well-regarded meditation teacher and NLP trainer, and he teaches his students through the lens of a calm mind to bring peace, happiness, and joy to their lives. His unique background living with Buddhist monks empowers his retreats to be so much more than an ordinary getaway, and it really becomes a journey in itself. Skillful Mind's vision is to offer people a space and support to cultivate their own inner peace and reconnection with self. Finding a balance between the pleasant and the necessary might be tougher than expected. However, it is not impossible. So join us in this incredible episode where we learn to find some inner peace, some rest, and maybe even help to improve healing ability, plus a bonus meditation exercise to try at home. I know you'll love this. I started by asking Peter what he thought was the biggest misconception about meditation. Well, meditation is obviously an area passionate to myself and it's surprising really how many misconceptions there are in the West around meditation. And it took me a long time, I'm talking, you know, 10 or plus years to really figure out what this strange thing meditation was. And I mean, I guess the biggest misconception that I've come across is because people associate meditation with relaxation, they tend to consider meditation as sort of going into this semi-sleep kind of relaxed state when in fact what it is is you are completely alert and i think the aim of meditation is not so much relaxation but calmness and you can be calm 
even in stressful or a situation which requires a lot of thinking. I know race car drivers, when they're driving around a track at 300 kilometers an hour, so they go into this almost trance-like calm state, even though you can imagine it was the most high stress thing you can imagine. So yeah, so people thinking that they're meditating when really they're kind of semi-dozing off is probably the, the one misconception in the West around what is meditation. Yeah, really interesting. So tell us more about your career and give us context of your background. So how did Skillful Mind start? Yeah, absolutely. So as I say, I've been passionate. I've been passionate actually since a young age. I don't know what really drew me to meditation. I guess just the thought that people could be happy sitting somewhere in the Himalayas in a cave somewhere really kind of piqued my interest. And I was lucky enough actually when I graduated as an engineer I moved to Asia because there was no work in Australia. And so I got immersed in all of these cultures from, you know, I was in Singapore at the time, I went to Thailand and Taiwan and, and all over Southeast Asia and was exposed to lots of different cultures. And I had the chance to practice and learn meditation and I got so into it, I actually ended up ordaining myself for a time in a time monastery, which was an amazing life experience, and I learned so much there. But interestingly enough, even though I was highly passionate, again, I'm coming back to, there are so many different and varied teachings of meditation. And I guess a lot of them are quite esoteric, and being an engineer, it kind of gives you an insight into what my brain is like. I'm a very kind of westernized, skeptical, logical person that wants to see A leads to B leads to C. And so a lot of the teachings in meditation didn't really appeal to me. And it, in fact, wasn't until I got back to Australia and I, I started learning under a Tibetan teacher who was living in Canberra, who was a very logical type of person as well. And it was really through him that I got, I guess, an epiphany, really, that meditation is a sequential, logical process. There are stages you go through, and there are certain things you do at the beginning stages, which you then drop and use other techniques at later stages. And so he taught me the proper technique, and I went on to do some longer. Uh, so that was a teaching retreat. I then went into a personal retreat using that technique over an extended period of time. And yeah, for the first time in over 10 years of practicing meditation, I dropped into some very deep states of meditation. And for anyone, that is a massively profound moment to have an insight of the ability to go into states of bliss, which just incredible, really changes your perspective on the world. And so out of those personal experiences, I really felt like meditation was something, you know, I wanted to do even more so than engineering. And so after 20 years of engineering, now that's a bit of a long story, but eventually, suffice to say, I dropped the engineering profession and started teaching meditation pretty much full time. And I've been doing now that for around 10 years. And recently, you know, there is a need and, and there is a growing need of more and more people realizing the benefits of meditation as there are more studies in meditation. And again, the sort of teachings, at least that I think appeal to a Western mind, or at least people in my mind are not out there. They're not easily attainable. So I started teaching that and I've got a, a lot of feedback saying, hey, 
we love this retreat. We want to keep going, but there aren't any community classes that we can attend to and meet up with people like that. So that started me thinking maybe I should start some classes here in Adelaide where I live, but I actually live an hour south of Adelaide. So it's very difficult to me, for me to just drive all the way for two hours just to do a one-hour class. So I started taking a few people under my wing and teaching them how to run a class. And that was quite popular. And then I got interest from Melbourne and then Perth and then Scotland, believe it or not. And so that grew into what is now an online teaching. And we now have over 300 leaders just teaching community classes. You know, some are working in hospitals, others in corporates or schools or whatever around the world, you know, doing these meditations and we support each other a bit like a family. So, yeah, so that's my evolution. And so I'm very fortunate now to spend my life doing what I love and interacting with people like yourself, I guess, that are of like-mindedness about the health and wellness of people around the world. What an amazing story and congratulations on now having 300 people around the world helping more people know about the benefits of meditation. So explain to us what is meditation. You've given us a little bit of an idea of what it isn't and some misconceptions. So what is meditation to you? Yeah, another good question. And it, it, I guess it just really you know comes back to this fact of the misconceptions around meditation. So I think to start with, one of the great distinctions to understand in trying to understand what meditation is, is the difference between our awareness and our thinking mind. So our awareness, first and foremost, is our five senses. So we have awareness of sight, sound, smells, tastes, etc. And then we have a sixth awareness which is a lot more subtle, which is an awareness of what we're thinking, you know, at this moment in time. So we're aware some of the time of what we're thinking. And then if you compare that to the thinking mind, which is our worries and our stresses and what are we going to do tomorrow and what happened yesterday and why did they say this to me and what should I... That thinking mind, it's a powerful thing, but it also gets us into a lot of trouble. And if we can keep up a an awareness of that thinking, then we can see when we're about to run into trouble. Now, the key of being aware or the key of awareness is it is only in the present moment. It only operates in the here and now. There's no such thing of, you know, awareness that was operating, you know, 20 minutes ago. So our five senses only operate on the here and now and the present. And so another word for this, I guess, which is very popular these days is mindfulness. Mindfulness is again supposed to be in the present moment. And with mindfulness and with awareness, there is no such thing as a problem. There's just reality. And because it is the thinking mind which kind of turns thoughts, you know, with judgments and all of that into problems and uh, difficulties and stresses, if we can get up just only into awareness, then it allows us to drop into a state of peace because we don't have these problems. There might be pain, there might be itching, but they're not problems. They just are. They just are as they are. And uh, so the mind doesn't get stressed about it, even though it recognizes, oh yeah, well maybe I should move my leg now because it's hurting. But it doesn't turn it into a problem, which is 
the thinking mind's job and which is what gets us into the trouble. So a really a simple definition of meditation is practicing being here in the here and now in that awareness mind. Interesting. And there's lots of different types of meditation. So perhaps are you able to give us some ideas or some descriptions of the different types? Because I know it can be a little bit confusing. You mentioned mindfulness, which I guess is one kind of technique, but then there's also religious types of meditation as well. Yeah, there's Hindu meditation and Buddhist meditation of Vipassana meditation. And then there's, you know, Anapanasati meditation and Zen meditation. And the the list goes on and on and on. And every day there's a new guru that comes out with a new super duper meditation. So, you know, there are lots and lots of meditations around and that contributes to the richness of meditation. So I think to understand meditation, one, I guess, first of all, could start with the purest type of meditation, the penultimate meditation, if you like, which is meditation on a single object. So whether that's a candle flame or your breath or you know, a flower or what it is, an ultimate meditator will think about one particular object of meditation and their thoughts will not move from that object at hours at a time. Now, that's the ultimate goal. You know, there are very few people in the world that are able to achieve single-pointed meditation. But that's one in which we practice and one in, in which I teach. However, it's very difficult. It's very difficult And so because it is so difficult, it's probably not a great meditation for beginners to start with. Instead, if we have a meditation where the object is moving itself, then that's easier to concentrate on. So if someone gives you a guided meditation, like imagine yourself lying on a beach, the waves are lapping up and you see in the distance, you know, a ship sailing across the ocean or whatever, Because there's a movement in that meditation object, there's something to think about, the mind enjoys staying on that object. And so it's an easier meditation for person to start with. And then I guess you can branch out from there into a number of different types of meditations. You know, you can think of music meditations or nowadays they have these sound baths where you listen to the ringing of bells you can do chanting or, as I said, listening to people speaking. So those are all, in a way, could be grouped as guided meditations, you know, different meditations. And then I'll mention also another type of meditation, which we call analytical meditation, which is obviously in different traditions, you know, the Buddhist, Hindu, Christian or whatever, they have certain topics which take us into a deeper layer of thinking, you know, deep religious truths, that we might meditate on. And certainly um, they are amazing for expanding the mind, you know, considering the ubiquitous of suffering, for example. And they themselves come into different flavors. There's the idea of what is reality? You know, is reality out there or is it a projection of our thoughts, that sort of thing? And then on the other side, uh, the open-hearted type of meditations to contemplate things like love, forgiveness, you know, um, compassion, all of those sorts of things to open one's heart. 
so there you go. There's sort of the, the sort of ultimate one-pointed meditation. And from there, there's a, a water flow of different types of meditation depending on what is needed by the practitioner. Thank you for that. And in regards to meditation and mindfulness, what's the difference there? Yeah, another good distinction because in these days, you know, scientists always talk about mindfulness, 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 you know, and meditation and all of this. And quite funny, actually, because I was taking meditation to a school and they said, oh, we can't really teach meditation. It's too religious. And he said, well, we'll teach mindfulness. Yeah, mindfulness is great. We're all into mindfulness. And it's like, it's exactly the same thing <laughs> to a certain extent. So I'm a very practical person being an engineer. And so I guess my simple definition is mindfulness is a quality of mind. And in particular, it's, you know, introspective awareness of what's going on, I guess, in the five senses around you, but in particular in your thoughts. So awareness in the present moment, mindfulness. Now, meditation is the art or the practice of empowering that mindfulness, of gaining mindfulness, of practicing mindfulness. So mindfulness is a quality, whereas meditation is the practice to get that quality. Uh, so that's, I think that's a very good and simple definition to, you know, for most people. Mm, fantastic. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about stress. Talk to us about the adverse effects of stress, both mentally and physically. Yeah, absolutely. So stress, I guess, is the antithesis of uh, meditation. And I actually learned just some time ago about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems, which is incredible that we actually switch from one whole nervous system in our body to a different whole nervous system in our body, whether we're activated or whether we're kind of relaxing. So I think if you haven't heard about those kind of, uh, you know, technical items or whatever, I think what we all have heard of is, you know, this flight or fight response that is really what stress brings about us is it readies the mind for that flight or fight response. And, you know, a little story, it can, it, it's amazing how quick that can act. I don't know if any of your listeners will have done this. I'm sure some of them will have tried one of these float tanks. So uh, I decided I'd, I'd try one. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now. And it was a wonderful experience. I loved doing it. I did the whole thing. I shut myself in. It was completely dark and I was in there for an hour. And then halfway through, I was so relaxed. And then I suddenly thought that I'd forgotten to call someone. I meant to message or call them before I went into this float tank to say, well, I won't be available for an hour. And of course, that was a, a, that sort of, it's a mini tiny little stressful thought. I mean, it really wasn't anything serious. But in that float tank, I actually felt the whole thought like ripple very quickly, like in less than a second through my whole body and my whole body was tingling. And I guess I had a picture, you know, of the scientists say, when you activate this response, a whole lot of these adrenaline and, uh, you know, neuropeptides and all of these different chemicals go through your body and activate, you know, that response to get ready. And, you know, it's so quick. Like I was amazed how quick one thought can effectively create a shower of chemicals, which completely tingles your body and, and gets your heartbeat going and things like that. So 
when we're stressed out, you know, our body is actually getting ready for that fight-flight response. And I understand, you know, the heart rate increases, the blood pressure rises, the blood vessels open up to get more blood to the vessels. Apparently, the blood gets more sticky to repair damage in case there's tissue damage in that sort of fight response. There's also blood and sugar being pumped into the blood and they pump in anti-inflammatory chemicals to sort of activate the immune cells and things like that. And also the brain lights up. So the intention sensors of the brain light up. So really it's a major physiological, neurological, immunological, metabolic change that's going on during that fight-flight response. And I think the best comparison that I heard of was to compare it to an engine. So it's a difference between an engine sort of being on idle and an engine being at full revs, ready to do a race or whatever. And that load on the system when you're all revved up, the name of it is the allostatic load. I hope I've got that correct. And I think, you know, a long time ago in hunter-gatherer times, we only had that kind of state every now and again when there was a danger to the tribe or to ourselves. But for the most of the time, we lived a fairly sedate life. But nowadays, the stresses come daily. And so, you know, we're revving up our engine, so to speak, every day. And that load on the system, if you think about an engine, if you drive around at full revs, your car's not going to last that long. So it's the same thing if you are activating those stress responses in your body the whole time your body is quickly going to start to wear out. And so that really is the stress response. And now they're starting to coin the opposite side of that, which is the parasympathetic system and uh, nervous system and that, uh, the relaxation response. And they're starting to do research into how that can improve the health of the body. How fascinating. And even just that you were in a float tank and you noticed it where many of us were so busy, we're not very in touch with the feelings and the sense within our body. So we might not even realize that we are running all day on stress. And for any of you that are listening that don't know what a float tank is, it's also known as sensory deprivation. And it's a body of water in a completely dark and soundproof room or pod. And it has about 30 centimeters of water that has 600 kilograms of salt. So it's you're weightless like the Dead Sea and you literally cannot sink and you stay in there for an hour. And the idea is that removing all senses will bring you to a deeper state of relaxation. Yes, it's an amazing feeling. And because you're not touching anything, like when your gravity's here and you're sitting in a chair, the responses to your body don't feel as acute as when you're just floating, like you said, weightless. So. Mm. Yeah can be really fantastic for pain and sports performance and lots of other things. So Peter, what are the health benefits of meditation and how may it support healing or recovery? So, yeah, so I'm obviously not an expert in the medical field, but, you know, anecdotally, and I love hearing so many great stories of how meditation has helped healing. And there's obviously anecdotal stories of people doing amazing things through meditation, curing incurable diseases, but they're starting to do more and more actual research on it. And I think just in general, this relaxation response just gives the time for the body to go about its natural processes and do that healing. I guess I come from the point of view that, you know, it was our DNA 
which created us. So in every cell, there is effectively a blueprint of our perfect health. And so the body knows how to gradually move itself back to perfect health if we just allow it to do so by taking some time every day to allow the body to do what it naturally does and, and without putting the stress on the body. And I think one example which I often quote which is clearly a good example of where meditation can do that, was an experiment done by John Kabat-Zinn quite a number of years ago where he was working with a skin condition, psoriasis, which, you know, obviously your audience will know a great deal about. And they were receiving, the clients in this study were receiving ultraviolet light therapy. And they were, they were talking about some people not turning up for the full course and how they could activate that. And John Kabat-Zinn said, you know, why don't we trial people meditating? And so they did an experiment where they had half the people get the light therapy as normal and the other half meditated in the chamber while they were having the ultralight therapy. And apparently, according to the study, you can look it up, they healed four times as fast. And they were so blown away by this, they thought there must have been some error initially. So they repeated it very, very, you know, scientifically and rigorously. And lo and behold, again, the people receiving the light therapy with the meditation healed four times faster. So, you know, you just can't get any better than that. You're doing something with your mind and something is occurring in the skin. So it is a clear mind-body connection that you get the mind in the right place. And I guess that stops all of those negative chemicals going down into the body and allows the positive chemicals to come up and assist that healing process. So yeah, for me, there's no doubt in my mind that you know, having a calm mind helps that. Even just having a massage. I know that if, I, if I'm having a massage, and I'm thinking about something else, the results are nowhere near as good as if I'm actually just concentrating on where they're giving me a massage and I'm enjoying that and actually deliberately relaxing the muscles around where someone's giving me a massage and you feel so much better. So this is something we, we just, you know, you can do it practically yourself by trying this out. And I will track down that specific study and put it in the show notes for anyone that would like to have a read of that as well. I'm very interested. So obviously trauma, skin conditions can cause stress within the body and on the body, but also different types of skin conditions, trauma or a diagnosis can also initiate a sense of stress and anxiety. So explain to us how perhaps using meditation can help to improve that sense of well-being. So, I mean, I guess I have to point out the obvious dilemma here in the argument that stress obviously doesn't help the healing. And yet the very fact that we've got a skin condition is causing us the stress, which then I guess compounds the fact that it doesn't heal quite as well. So, you know, it's sort of a catch 22 condition here. So, as well as meditation putting us into a peace, into a, more, a, a greater state of peace, one thing that is important in meditation is it's about changing the way you look at the world. And I won't go into it, but in the early stages, we get distracted from our meditation. And we try to push those distractions away because we try to concentrate on our breath, you know, breathing in, breathing out. Oh, there's a distraction coming, you know. 
such and such is coming. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking of them. Distractions. Now, at some point, you cannot stop the distractions from coming. They just keep coming. And ironically, the harder you try, the more the distractions come because you're actually seeding, you know, a bit of anxiety and aversion in your mind about when the next distraction is going to come. And that stirs up your mind and causes the distraction to come even faster. So at some point in meditation, we have to deal with this. And the secret is to sort of relabel distractions as helpers and as your friends. And so at one point, you have to sort of come to the point where, okay, welcome distractions. I'm looking out for you. I'm happy if you come. And what happens because you don't suddenly react with aversion when the distraction comes in your mind, it's then much easier to just let it be, let it go and come back to the meditation object. Now, as you practice meditation, you start to see this as a metaphor or an analogy for real life and that problems may not be problems other than what you've labeled them. And first of all, you might be able to relabel them as not a problem at all. But second of all, you realize that to the extent that you're averse to the problem, you're actually concretizing or compounding the problem. And so we need to let go of it. So I think it's the same with these skin conditions and physical conditions. If you have the ability to think deeply and sort of relabel them, then they won't cause you as much stress as previously. And you'll be able to go into a meditation more easily and hopefully they'll heal easier. So my advice is perhaps to see a skin condition as a little bit of a prod or a bit of a reminder that you need to be taking care of your wholeness of health. And so you know, if you see it as a friend reminding you now, now it's time to eat well, to get some exercise, to do some meditation, to take care of yourself, you know, you can try to see it as a friend. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, a skin condition is just a skin disease. It's not an enemy or a friend, but if we can sort of trick our mind and relabel it as a, a beneficial thing, then it not only helps us then and there, but it also allows us to drop into a state of mind which will actually help clear up the condition faster than if we were conversely seeing it as a problem, a big problem in life. So yeah, that's, I guess, my overall suggestion. And this way we don't go into denial and we're reframing it into uh, a better solution. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I heard many years ago, I don't even know where from now, but it was this, that just because we think something does not mean it's true. And I think with skin conditions, especially if they're the type of skin conditions that may flare up with stress, particularly, we may have this really negative connotation and say, oh, you know, put ourselves down because we shouldn't have eaten that or we shouldn't have stayed out late or we shouldn't have drunk that alcohol or we shouldn't have done this. But I really like that idea of reframing it and it being a reminder, perhaps, yes, do a little bit more self-care and see those thoughts as what they are, just purely thoughts and distractions and then relay them and hopefully over time I'm sure it doesn't come easy at the very beginning but over time we might be able to reframe the way that we are seeing our skin conditions and that we are seeing the way that we have that inner self-talk as well yeah no I have a little quick story I'll just tell you which is not about skin conditions 
I worked at a company, this is when I was an engineer, and uh, we went on these road trips and I went on with a work colleague and of course, traveling thousands of kilometers across Australia, you get a chance to talk in detail. And he told me he went into, he was in depression for 15 years. And, you know, horrific, you know, imagine being depressed and not wanting to go out of your house for 15 years. It was terrible. And I thought that must have been a terrible. And then he told, he met a girlfriend and the girlfriend got him into eating nutrition. And because of that, he sort of got more into holistic lifestyle and eventually came out of his depression. And I said to him, you know, it must have been terrible to be 15 years in depression. You know, how bad is that? And he says, no, no, it was a good thing. And I'm like, what do you mean? 15 years of depression, a good thing. He says, well, yeah, I mean, because I am far better now on the other side, having gone through that depression, than I would have been if I hadn't have done that journey. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what prompted me to get a new relationship and, and start doing things for my health. And so that was a complete reframe. Nothing that you would sort of think of when you're in the depression but uh, that, those types of stories to realize that sometimes when you go through adversity, they can be the biggest turning points and therefore, in some respects, the biggest benefits in your life is an amazing thought. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Mm, yeah, lovely story. So in regards to, I guess, a meditation regime, how does this look alongside other modalities? So, yeah, of course, in terms of yoga and things like that, just how would someone kind of fit it into what they're doing? Right. So I do see meditation as a um, real thing to augment whatever else you're doing. So if you're having medical treatment, if you're doing coaching, if you're doing any sort of personal growth work or healing work, then meditation can help bolster that. And of course, I'm a meditation advocate. So I just generally say the more meditation you do, the better. However, I do know that there's one problem with meditation. It is very boring, especially to the beginner. It's like you sit there and you go, wow, this is a waste of time. I'm not even meditating because I'm thinking about all my problems. So such a waste of time and they get fidgety. And lots of people say, oh, I just can't meditate. Hint, hint, they're the ones who really should be meditating, by the way. But anyway, so, and it, because it is sort of so boring and, and as a beginner, it can be quite hard. If you force yourself to meditate, then you develop an aversion to the practice. And if that aversion sinks in, your unconscious mind is brilliant at coming up with reasons and strategies to procrastinate and to not do your meditation that way. So for beginners, I actually do recommend do the softly, softly approach. So just 15 minutes a day. I believe it's good for most people to meditate in the morning because you're fresh, but more importantly, because you've got a routine. So if you can fit it into your routine and know from 7 till 7.15 or whatever is your meditation time, you're more likely to do it every day. And then let yourself enjoy the meditation. Do whatever you can to make it fun. So if you've got your favorite guided meditation people or whatever, listen to them to encourage the opposite to happen, which is a desire saying, I really like that 15 minutes. And then you can extend your meditation uh, more so. And it's done out of a sense of wanting to do it rather than forcing yourself and then going into sort of an aversion where you force yourself to do meditation. Another thing which I highly recommend 
I highly, highly recommend is to join a group. So there are more and more groups uh, happening in the world today. And some of the benefits of, of joining a group, just a weekly class is good. First of all, there's this sense of accountability. So if you uh, go to a meditation group, of course, they're going to say, how is your meditation this week? And you know you've got to answer them. And so during the week, you're more, you hold yourself accountable to try to do it because you know you're going to go to the group. It also makes it more fun. So again, that bringing in that sort of enjoyment element will help sustain the practice in the long term. And then finally, I guess, just going to a group of like-minded people in itself can be one of the most healing things that you can do. You know, there's, again, more research. And I think we know that when there's a bonding between human beings, we feel each other's energy. And that itself is a very, very healing thing to do. So, yeah, so take it easy on yourself. Join a group. Make it fun. Allow yourself to go to whatever tradition you like. There's so many different varied traditions in the world. And then allow, allow that to expand your meditation practice and, and take it as a passion. Fantastic. And can you walk us through a meditation sequence, Peter, so that listeners can do this at home? Sure. No problem. I love to meditate anytime. I guess the two most common meditations are meditation on the body and meditation on the breath. I think for, you know, perhaps some of your listeners who might be particularly interested in your health, I think meditation on the body is great and an easy one to do is a body scan. And so we might do that in a minute, but basically we start at our head and we go down to our toes. And if you want, you can go back from your toes back up to your head and you try to visualize and relax every muscle in the body. And when you do that, you will find that there are some favorite muscles that we like to kind of keep tense all the time. Some people hold their jaw tightly. Others hold tension in their shoulders. You know, we all have our favorite spots where we hold tension and you'll get to know your own spots. And then, of course, in this meditation, you pay particular attention and make some, you know, particular effort into relaxing the muscles around that spot so you know if we were to just do it for a minute just imagine you can close your eyes or keep your eyes open i'm gonna sit back and close my eyes <laughs> go ahead and just listen to my voice and let it guide you so that your mind stays on the meditation object and just visualize a sort of a ring of light starting at the top of your head and moving down across your scalp and across the back of your head and see if you can allow every muscle to just relax as it's touched by that light. And it can go right down over your eyes and your face where there are hundreds of muscles to allow us to have so many expressions. Try to allow each and every one of those muscles to just relax around your jaw, going down to the, and the back of your neck, down your neck to your shoulders. And the mind is, we spend 90% more, maybe 99% of our time focused outside the body. So when we bring the mind into the body as we're doing right now, the body likes that. 
we can actually feel it. The body actually enjoys the attention of the mind and it promotes healing. So keep moving that attention down past your shoulders. Sometimes I do each arm and each finger one at a time, but you can just imagine perhaps for this demonstration to keep going down your shoulders and arms and chest at the same time, all the way down, relaxing even your internal organs. Imagine the light touching there, down to your hips, your groin and buttocks and the tops of your legs, relaxing those big muscles of your legs. And as the light touches any areas of stress, you can apply extra attention and extra healing to those places or where there's an illness in the skin, etc. You can visualize light healing those areas. Being grateful, saying thank you to those areas for being the reminder for me to take care of my own personal health. And there's the reminder there, just to take care of that. So thank you for those distractions. And so on all the way down, your knees, lower legs, feet, all the way down to your toes. And we'll finish there and come on back because I know this is more about explaining meditation than doing a meditation, but that's a really quick easy meditation that you can do in bed if you want to or wherever you're you know sitting at a bus stop or whenever and it's a great one for healing and i must say even the three minutes or so that that was i do already feel more relaxed so if you are listening i hope you did that of course as long as you weren't driving or being somewhere where you had to be completely present but just you know within a couple of minutes you can really see a big difference in your body and that sense of well-being as well. So thank you for that, Peter. Mm, You're welcome. So where can people find more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, great. So as I said, I've started the Skillful Mind company and our website is just skillfulmind.net. So S-K-I-L-L-F-U-L-M-I-N-D.net. And we run retreats, but also on there, my passion is really to give people a logical step-by-step way, which is non-secular. It's just, you know, just meditation on the body and meditation on the breath uh, program. So we do have a free course. It's an 11 part. So you get one email a day for 11 days to take you gradually deeper and deeper into uh, a state of meditation on there. So People are welcome to come over to our website and download that for free. We also, if you finish that and you still want to keep going, we've got a 21-day mindfulness challenge, which obviously takes mindfulness out of just the meditation practice and tries to challenge you to be mindful at eating and, you know, mindful at talking and things like that. So it's a 21-day mindfulness challenge. And for the dermatologists out there or people that are, thinking that this could be a good adjunct to their practices, then we'd love to help you as well. Many of our leaders who are running community groups are also keen to look at helping 
practices that might be compatible with meditation. And so we have leaders around the world now that would be available to come in and run sessions in health centers, etc. or indeed we have the training program. If any dermatologists or whatever are interested in doing it themselves and becoming their own meditation teacher. So that all can be found at our website or you're welcome to just email me directly at peter at skillfulmind.net. And yeah, I always love talking to like-minded people. So you can find me there and I would love to hear from anyone. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us. It was fantastic to hear about all the benefits. And for anyone that is listening, I'm going to sign up to the 11-day course. I didn't know about that until today. So perhaps I'll put a post out on socials after this is done and we could do it together. So that link will be in the, the show notes. And yeah, I really appreciate your time today, Peter. No worries. There you go. Doing it together is uh, so much more fun. So great. And thank you for the opportunity to chat about what I'm so passionate about. Pleasure. What a wonderful interview. Oh, there was so much that I enjoyed hearing from Peter, but the three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were number one, I really liked the way that Peter spoke about reframing an idea. So taking concern, stress, and perhaps anxiety about a specific skin condition, and instead seeing this as an opportunity for self-care. So maybe you haven't been doing the enough sleep that you need to, or the exercise, or the body brushing, or the taking the medications, or the supplements, or whatever it is. It's an opportunity, if your skin is flaring up, to say, okay, what is going on, and what do I, what can I do to perhaps give myself a little bit of extra time, a little bit of self-care that maybe I haven't been doing as well as I could have. I just love that. Number two, Peter admits that a new meditation routine can seem boring to the average person. I completely get that. I am one for always doing multiple things at once. I'll listen to a podcast while I'm working out or I will speak to a family member while I'm cooking dinner. I love multitasking, but I do really understand the importance of taking a break and just grounding myself. So some helpful tips that he provided was, number one, join a group. There's lots of benefits to this because it provides accountability, it provides some fun and personal bonding, which in itself is healing as well. And during this time when many of us are isolated, we're not doing all the social type activities that we usually are, which are really important for our mental health, looking into some kind of meditation class could be just a perfect solution. And Skillful Mind also has many of these online. So you can do it from the comfort of your own home uh, without having to leave, being safe and bonding with people on all different backgrounds of life and different probably continents as well, which is really awesome. Number three, I just wanted to take a moment just to chat about all the resources that Skillful Mind has because there's heaps there. So Peter spoke about this uh, 11-day course. There's also different challenges 
and courses and resources and videos. It really is a resource of just lots of information available on the website. But another wonderful offering that they do is to provide courses to then teach or provide meditation to your clients in classes, one-on-one, or even teach others. How awesome is that? I think this could be a really interesting offering alongside other modalities. I'm all about a holistic approach to healing, um, to healing in every sense of the word, whether it be from a major surgery, whether it be uh, more of a traumatic or psychological type experience to treat holistically. And I think this could be a really nice modality that could sit alongside many different services as a bit of an adjunct. And it's just something nice extra to offer to a client as well. So if you can see yourself providing a more holistic service to your clients, the details of all these courses and the challenges and everything are in the show notes. So go have a browse. And if you sign up to anything, let me know. I'd love to know as well. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love for you to share it with someone that you think may benefit, may help more than you realize. Until next week, be skin powered.